Welcome back to Refuge Radio, the podcast from the National Wildlife Refuge Association. I'm Angie Horn. I'm the SoCal Regional Refuge Partnership Specialist. And today I am at Seal Beach National Wildlife Refuge with Rick Nye. Rick, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Angie? Thank you. Good. Uh, can you talk a little bit about yourself and your role here? Sure. Yeah. My name, yeah. So as Angie said, my name is Rick Nye. I'm the refuge manager here at Seal Beach National Wildlife Refuge. Yeah. This refuge is a little interesting because we're actually on a, a naval weapons station. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so today's podcast uh, with Rick, we're going to be talking about um, the partnership with the DOD, the sort yeah. of unique circumstances around the formation of this refuge, and uh, how we can further engage people and bring them in considering those uh, significant access challenges. So yeah. um, Rick, thank you for joining. And uh, why don't you... Uh, Tell us um, your role here and um, and what you've been doing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I am the refuge manager, and uh, we have a lot of things going on. And like you said, we uh, it's a very unique refuge in that we're completely enclosed inside a Navy base. So that presents unique opportunities to you know work with our partner um, and and how we bring in our other partners. So. Most of my time, I'm coordinating, coordinating with different organizations, coordinating with the Navy, coordinating for access, and then making sure we do all the things that a regular refuge is supposed to do, like take care of our endangered birds and invasive plants uh, and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, and I do that as the only employee, uh, but I'm not alone. Uh, like I said, I have partners and I have an amazing group of volunteers and and we are in Orange County, surrounded by one of the largest populations in the country. So why don't we talk a little bit about, first, the history of the yeah. refuge and, and how it came to be enclosed in a naval weapons station. Sure. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, to kind of situate our listeners, um, if you're looking at the SoCal Urban Wildlife Refuge Project, this refuge really does sit in the middle mm -hmm. of what, 30 million people in the region? Something like that. You know, if you consider L.A. County and Orange County, per the census, you're talking about 15 to 18 million. You can also add a little bit of San Bernardino, you greater Los Angeles metropolitan area. Yeah, and that's, you know, we're on the coast, so that's that population uh, is within only a 180-degree arc. Uh, and uh, probably better another way to think about it is within 25 miles, there are 10 million people. And I figured that out because I used to – I did – worked for the census one. So I knew how to go down those areas and I actually mapped it all out. But uh, yeah, we're, we're surrounded by a lot of people. Um, so yeah, a little bit of the history. So I don't know how far back we should go, but I can tell you way back, you know, you, you talk about uh, in the first development in the area over a hundred years ago was farming uh, and then Anaheim Colony. Uh, so most people may know of Anaheim, that's where Disneyland is now. But Anaheim Colony was growing, farming, industry, they needed a place to exchange goods. So they created Anaheim Landing, which is right at where the refuge meets the ocean. Uh, and so that landing existed by the late 1800s. Uh, and then because of its proximity to this natural beach that's out there, um, it became a tourist destination uh, for the locals in the area. Uh, then because of the development that existed, because of World War II, the Navy needed a facility, and they bought all this land. They bought about 5,000 acres, uh, and they took over the Anaheim Landing, um, and I don't know what point the Navy had started to manage the saltwater marsh that's here as a reserve, but I have a sign, or I've seen pictures of a sign from the 60s, and it referred to it as Seal Beach Naval Wildlife Reserve. So even in the 60s, it was an NWR, 
but by 1972, concerned citizens, uh, pressure to continue developing the area, Orange County population growing, um, the Navy, local citizens, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and our local congressmen all agreed that we should establish sort of a second layer of federal management, and uh, they established Sioux Beach National Wildlife Refuge in 1972. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of refuges get established via different methods. Ours was established via its own act of Congress. So it actually is the Seal Beach National Wildlife Refuge Act of 1972. So it's kind of cool that the people demanded it and got it. So how do you work with the Navy today? Sure. Um, this base is uh, vitally important to the mission mm -hmm. uh, of the Navy, and maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Uh, but also, this the ecology here is vitally important to the health of, of the coast of California. Yeah. So how do you work with the DOD to balance those two very mm -hmm. different uh, missions? Right, yeah. So the, the Navy's mission here, it's a Naval weapon station. So I forget, I don't know the miles, but we're north of San Diego. We're a large fleet. Uh, it exists. Uh, and so this base stores its weapons. And uh, so when those ships need to come up, you know, to, for what they need uh, from this base. Uh, so because of that storage, there is a need for space, space between the bunkers, space between the bunkers and the local populace. So that creates a lot of open space. Um, and then and then we also have the saltwater marsh. So we have a lot of avian predators and then we have a lot of um, uh, basically, yeah, like I said, open space. Then how I work with the Navy. So they're they have operate. The Navy has operational needs. They also have security needs. Um, so we just need to coordinate in advance. You know, I think you know what it takes is just planning. You know, I know when I'm going to have a National Public Lands Day event. And we plan that in advance. You know, so the Navy. I work with the Navy Public Affairs Officer, and the Navy has a biologist on the base too. And we pick a date, and then we just start planning that through. Security knows when it's going to happen, uh, and then we just generate the lists. And it's just a matter of planning it out far enough. And addressing the different issues, making sure there's no conflict. Uh, you know, we're trying to both do something important on the same day. Uh, so that's really what it takes. Um, so the refuge's primary purpose is the protection of two endangered birds, the light-footed Ridgeways Rail and the California Least Turn. So the rail is here year-round, and the Least Turn migrates from Costa Rica somewhere about there. Uh, and <clears throat> so... The Navy actually funds the cost for the monitoring during the breeding season. So, you know, they take care of that contract, and then I coordinate the volunteer effort uh, and the access. Um, so that's what we do, uh, and it's just a matter of deconflicting any overlap. Great. And um, I want to clarify that uh, Seal Beach is actually part of the San Diego right. refuge complex. Um, so how do you... Uh, because that's about a hundred miles spread, right? Sure. Yeah. So, so how do you work with the San Diego National Wildlife Refuge? Uh, it's complex? it's all electronic. I mean, we it's email, uh, and I probably visit. I probably go down there. I don't know once every three to four months, just to touch base with those folks. Uh, the San Diego Bay and Tijuana Slough refuges have similar missions. They have similar habitats, so that's where we're quite similar. And then they also have the San Diego population, so they're also an urban refuge, and so they deal with a lot of the same issues that I deal with. Uh, so it's a great fit, you know, in terms of that we're part of that complex. Um, and there's a lot of knowledge down there about what's going on with the rail population uh, in the lease turns. So uh, community engagement. Yes. <laughs> uh, being on a Navy base, that severely limits uh, mm -hmm. public access. Um, but you do have um, opportunities for people to, to come to the refuge. Mm -hmm. And I know over the last year, 
there's been um, uh, groups from Los Angeles, like the Leaf Interns yep. and the LA Conservation Corps, yep. who have come down. Uh, so do you want to talk a little bit about how that worked this year and how you'd like to see us uh, bring more folks from LA County and, and greater Orange County in the future? Sure. Yeah. So long for longest time, our access was basically we're here. People would find us and we would figure out a way to bring them in. And then we, we offer a monthly tour last Saturday every month, except in December. And we've been advertising that for years. Uh, and so people find out about it through the local newspaper and that sort of thing. Uh, we get about 30 to 40 folks and we just put them on the list. They have to be U.S. citizens. And then, uh, you know, we have them sign up by the Tuesday. And so then we're just able to bring them onto the base and escort them. Uh, so it's a guided tour between myself and our, our crew of regular volunteers. So we've been doing that for probably a decade. I don't know how far along. Uh, it's been quite a while. And but we wanted to make sure we reach out because we've just kind of been sitting here and waiting for people to come to us. But we're, not, we're missing a large pop, part of the population. So we just look for opportunities where we can go. We can bring the refuge to them. Our volunteers will go to different events. Um, in the past, we've done more local, more Northern Orange County, but we looked for places to reach out further. So this year we've added, let me say, two years ago we did maybe three public events. Uh, this year we've added about 12, uh, including two trips to the LA Zoo, uh, other communities just, you know, in L.A., uh, Lakewood, there was a, a, a children's event in one of the parks. And um, and then we also look for fishing derbies. So we try to get out to different areas that do things like we do, you know, whether it's conservation or fishing, and then try to just talk to them about the refuge. And then we invite them to come visit us. Yeah. Great. Um, so the Nature Conservancy's LEAF program, yep. I wanted to, to go on with that. Um, you had uh, interns from that program uh, from Lawndale, I believe, which is yes. South Los Angeles. Yep. How did that come about, and what, what was that experience bringing these uh, interns on for almost an entire month? It was great. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, <clears throat> so, I mean, what we have with our, within our complex of refuges, one of our staff uh, members, I think she had been a LEAF, or she was very familiar with these programs, having worked with them at a previous assignment in Arizona. So she had already had contact with them. And we just never got around to submitting a request, but our name was sort of on the list. It was on, uh, his name's Gabriel. It was on Gabriel's horizon that, that we were here considering adding a group. And, and they, had, they weren't able to send them all everywhere that they had originally planned. And since we're local, we're near the high school, uh, they asked if we could take on five interns, and we did. Uh, so we had these uh, five uh, interns from the, oh, I'm going to forget the name of the school, Environmental Charter School? No, I'm missing Environmental Charter High School. Charter High School, yes. So in, in Lawndale, California. And so we were able to bring them here and, and gainfully employ them in a variety of work. They, they our, our primary effort was preparing an area, about a three-acre area, for uh, doing some more planting. So Two acres of that area had been planted in the past. The base of plants had started taking over, so they cleaned that out. And then they prepared the one-acre area that had really no plants growing. We'd been clearing it, getting it ready for a planting event. And we also linked them up with some USGS folks. They, they were doing some research for us on the refuge. So we, they spent a day with them. They spent a day with uh, a master student who's studying the fish at the refuge. And they just 
So they were able to do some science, and they were able to do some uh, uh, some ecological work out on, on the refuge. And uh, this crew was mostly young women. It was, yeah, it was yeah. all women. They're they're starting their senior year of high school, and uh, so they they were great. I, I've, I I meant to mention it at a at a dinner we had with them recently, and like I wanted to give an antidote, but it was just the first day they were tired, and I thought, oh no, I broke them. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> going to survive, you know. Uh, but by the end of it, they chatted all the way through their lunch. So you know, it was you know, I think in the in the end, it turned out to be a great experience for both of us. I learned a lot working with them, and, and you know that generation trying to understand uh, what their interests are, and then I think they gained something from it too. And they really fell in love with those green sea turtles. They did. So we did spend a day, watch, well, most of a day, watching the green sea turtles. And I think they even asked to do it during their lunch breaks to go watch the green sea turtles that we have that show up. And uh, you also brought down the L.A. Conservation Corps yes. for a day, which is another one of our partners in Los yes. Angeles. So can you talk about what they did? Yeah, sure. Uh, so it was, we went both ways. So we brought the leaf interns to L.A. Conservation Corps just to show them what other land managers or other areas are doing in terms of conservation and you know the la river needs a lot of work cleaning up uh, and they've been doing great things there uh so just to show them you know what what someone else is dealing with and and then they brought we brought the la conservation corps here so worked with brian casey and and his crew and they came aboard and we did some planting with them uh and then they they do that a lot apparently so i was able to get them here to do some of it with us. We've talked about a lot about native planting, sure. so that seems to be one of the most time-consuming tasks. And since you're the only employee here, right. um, you know, increasing that volunteer core, I think, is important mm-hmm. to that. So, um, how else would you like to reach into Greater Orange and Los Angeles counties uh, and 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 bring folks in? Um, are there any? Is there anyone on your wish list that you'd like to have? Uh, no specific group I can think of, but you know, just um, just making sure we're reaching all the people that uh, need to hear about us. I think you know that you know we're we're here for them. It's our mission is to for the American people. Uh, it's how our mission statement ends, and and so to make sure that we're here for them. Uh, when we do our tour, we we add, it was a part of our tour. There's a segment of our tour that was like this is how you can help, and it's it's dealing with our trash problem and uh so that you know if we can reach as many of the folks who can contribute to solving that problem uh, that's that's really important to us in terms of access barriers Mm -hmm. there's not just the practical there's also the sort of mental Mm -hmm. so some people might be intimidated by coming on a military base um sure how how, how would you yeah yeah yeah. I, i get that a lot they're like yeah we just wanted to see what was behind the fence and, uh, and and it's always interesting because, well, it's a chain link fence. You can see through it just fine, right? But, uh, you know, just – but so there's like this, yeah, this idea that, oh, it's, you know. But it's – what's interesting is you can see it in full view from the Pacific Coast Highway. You can't stop because it's, it's there's no pull-off there. But uh, um, if you look, it's all this green space too. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I think it's maybe maybe that's a you know a concern. I don't know. I hadn't thought of that, but I think it's um, it's a matter of just calling us and asking. It, the real barrier would be that right now everybody has to be a citizen, and then everybody else, yeah, absolutely, come on, we'll just sign you up and get you on the list. Yeah, there's no um, 
active ordinance. <laughs> right. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, yeah. This, this is a very safe place, and, and the Navy works with me on every, every, you know, every request I have. Yeah. Great. Uh, so what, uh, when people do go on the tours, what do they see? They see uh, a little bit of, well, I try to show them a little bit of everything that happens on the refuge. So we try to show them, we have a nice video that try to encompasses everything about the refuge system, and then it goes into specifics about our place. And in that video, we show things that we're probably not going to get to see on the rest of the tour. We do a walk through our native plant garden. The volunteers established a three-acre native plant garden. So you kind of see what native California, you know, coastal plants look like and what a space like that might look like. And then, uh, then we try to do some birding. And there's always birds out there. And so we always try to find some interesting ones that maybe they haven't seen yet. So we spend a little time doing some birding. Uh, and then two of our volunteers are retired marine biologists. So they, we call it the mud table, but it's really an invertebrate table. Uh, they show them ghost shrimp and whatever they can find, sea stars, occasionally an octopus. That was pretty exciting ones. And uh, so we show them a little bit of that. And then, and then, like I said before, we talk about how they can help with the trash. There's always trash flowing in here. So they, how they can help with that. And then, and then we also talk about the specific purpose of the refuge, the, the two endangered species plus the green sea turtles and, and what that means uh, for us. And I always encourage the volunteer, the, the visitors to, at some point in the tour, take a pause and just listen. Because you forget for a moment that you're in this metropolis and think for a moment, oh, it's kind of quiet. And for, you know, you don't really get that pretty much anywhere else in this immediate area. This is one of those places where you're guaranteed to see something. Hmm? Absolutely. Um, whether it's a turtle, uh, a raptor of some kind. Yep. Um, there's a lot of coyote out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a huge draw for people, too, is that they're guaranteed to see some kind of wildlife that they won't see Absolutely. off the refuge. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, it's always learned for me because people get excited and I'm like, oh, yeah, they, they probably don't see 30 egrets every day like I do. You know, so it's like, oh, that's exciting. You know, and it's like, it reminds me that it's something to be excited about when they get to see that. And, or, or in a day they see a red tail hawk. And a peregrine falcon and a kestrel, uh, all within within an hour of their walk. Yeah. So that brings me to you kind of alluded to it, uh, but everyone has that sort of aha moment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we work in this field, we forget that other people don't get to see these things all day. Um, so how did you get into this type of work? Sure. Uh, it's kind of, it's not, it was not a direct path. It's sort of like there was a path that I thought I was on, and then I kept reconnecting to the path that I'm actually on. Uh, so I grew up in northern Maine. So, you know, for me, it was normal to just spend your time riding a bike, you know, down the road and then hiking into a stream to go fish for the morning or take your bike out to the lake and go for a swim, you know, that sort of thing, and or go hunting with my grandfather. Uh, so that's how I grew up. And I just took it for granted, really. Uh, I didn't think that's not a job, right? And so then I pursued, but I happened to like biology. So at least I pursued a degree in biology. But I was thinking more like lab work, medical sciences, that kind of thing. Um, but then I kind of just didn't enjoy it. You know, I was like, oh, no, this isn't, this isn't what I thought it would be. Uh, so I happened, uh, I'm the fourth generation of my family to serve in the military. So that's the route I went after graduating from college. But 
and then I was in a career field that was really meant for computer scientists. But what I realized is I kept talking about things. Whenever I try to describe uh, um, systems or how things are organized, I kept re referring them in terms of biological systems. And I thought, that's what I really need to be doing. So that's when I left the Navy and reconnected to what I had originally gone to college for uh, to be a biologist. And then, so while I was going to Cal State Fullerton, I started volunteering here in 2010. Uh, and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Uh, so I volunteered here for a while, and then things just turned out that I was able to get hired as a biologist. And then once again, a door swung open, and I was standing there, and they were able to hire me as the manager. So from volunteer to refuge manager. Yeah, all in one place. <laughs> what would you say to, I think that's a common thing, where yeah. you know kids might be engaged, young adults might be engaged, but they just can't believe that it's a... It's a career path that mm -hmm. they can choose. What's the best advice you can give to a young adult who uh, maybe hasn't considered it? Um... Right, yeah. I think what I realized when that moment when I realized medicine wasn't for me was when um, my friends who were getting into medical school, they spent their volunteer time at hospitals. And I spent my time caving, looking for bats and wood rats. And so it's, you know, what, do you, what would you like to do? What are you willing to do for free, essentially? You know, what, what, you know, what would you be willing to do as a volunteer? And then, and then try it. You know, go try it uh, as much as you can, you know, within reason. Uh, and um, see if that is what you really like to do. And then just be aware what that job entails and, and when you're, if it becomes a full-time position. Um, what, what's the biggest thing you'd like to see for this refuge to sort of keep it running and um you know make it more engaging engaging to the public oh it'd be great if we had somebody who could focus on the outreach and volunteer coordination we have a luxury of having a large retirement community in within a couple miles of the refuge so a quarter of our volunteers come from there um we're probably unique or a little yeah more or less unique in that i have about 20 volunteers who contribute an average of 120 something hours each year, at, you know, to the point where our total volunteer hours is around 4,300, which is essentially like two full-time equivalent employees, uh, just amongst the volunteer corps. And so, to have somebody to help coordinate that effort, uh, and then look for more operation uh, outreach opportunities, uh, that'd be great, you know. And then, and then the maintenance, you know, we always have. Things deteriorate, especially in a saltwater marsh. You know, that's one of my lessons learned is there's steel, then there's galvanized, and that's still not, you know, I need something special <laughs> or I'm replacing it uh, within a year. You know, so just try to understand how quickly things uh, can deteriorate, you know, you know, doing the maintenance part. How do you see the, the bringing the refuge to people uh, aspect? It really grew over this last year, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, the LA Zoo tabling events. and. Um, would you like to see it go from 12 to 20 next year? Or uh, what, do you, what do you think the opportunities are? What would you like to see? Yeah, I think it depends on, you know, it's what our capacity is to do that. You know, so, to, I mean, you know, usually these events are four to six hours, plus you got to set up and break down. So it's a lot of effort uh, on the volunteers' part. So it's what they're able to do. Uh, but, you know, to try and find uh, events that reach people, um, you know, it'd be great if we could add elementary school visits, and because we used to do that, uh, we just haven't done it in a while. But uh, you know, to add these other elements where we can reach folks in unique ways, um, 
that we haven't been able to yet. And how are these, um, can you describe a little how these outreach events work? Like, um, do you guys focus on the birding aspect, the, uh, the coastal ecology, or are they different, con- um, you know, depending on the theme of whatever event you're attending? We, we can tailor it. So, you know, some, we do an event at the Cabrillo Aquarium, which is LA City's aquarium. And uh, so the focus there is obviously the marine environment. So we talk about our sea turtle. We talk about the fish and the essential fish habitat, the eelgrass that we have here, and how this is a nursery for the fish populations in the immediate area. So that's our focus there. Uh, if we go to maybe something like an Earth Day event, we're talking about the trash and the ecology and, and the value of a saltwater marsh on the community in terms of being able to absorb sea swells and being a, a filter. So we talk about different things about how the value of this uh wetlands is to the local community uh but mostly usually our fallback is the coyote there's a lot of lack of knowledge about coyotes so you know we have a skin of one you know allow people to get up close and understand a little bit about what coyotes are and, and what their natural um needs are and then we also talk about the birds the birds are always a draw we have you know we have uh taxidermy uh, and that brings people in because they like you know get up close and see a hawk up close. Uh, so, but usually it's done by the volunteers, and sometimes they're like, "Oh, I don't know what to talk about." But just talk about what you do. Why are you here? What that's what you have to talk about because you're talking to somebody else who probably has the same level of knowledge. So just talk to them about what interests you about their. How can groups like the National Wildlife Refuge Association um, help increase your capacity? Um, what would you like to see from nonprofit partners? I think it initially it's it's connections. Find out what those connections are. I often reach out to you, Andrew, when somebody's like, uh, I can't remember. I think I met somebody and I forgot what organization it was. And then I think I went to Angela's like, do you have any idea who this is? And I think you knew. Uh, you know, so it's just you know you have sort of a pulse on the larger community uh, and different organizations. You know, I think. Um, our connection with the Nature Conservancy, and then when I needed to find a place to connect with them, you put me in contact with the LA River Conservation Corps. So there's those sort of things is, is sort of being a sort of helping with the network of people to reach out to. So there are a few research projects happening here on the refuge around yeah. um, birds and fish. Yes. Uh, so do you want to talk about that and how you engage uh, students from the local university? Right. Yes, yeah, so one of the luxuries we have of being an urban refuge, I mean, we have within our vicinity UCLA, Cal State Long Beach, Cal State Fullerton, UC Irvine. I mean, not only great schools, but huge schools, huge student populations. And so we have a number of different projects. Our biggest one that gets some national attention amongst uh wetland managers, coastal wetland managers, is our sediment augmentation project, where we've added sediment to the refuge uh, across eight acres to try and counteract the loss of elevation that we're experiencing here. Um, so so they, we have a number of research partners on that project, uh, and in that was uh, Cal State Long Beach. And through that partnership, they also have graduate students who are doing research. So two of uh, uh, Professor Whitcraft's students are doing uh, two different projects. One is looking at the different fish populations we have here, uh, in particular to uh, uh, an invasive and a native fish, or non-native fish, I don't know if it's invasive, but a non-native fish and a native fish. 
And so her work is looking at those two different species of fish. And um, one of them is a typical prey item for one of our endangered birds. And so we also kind of, her work will hopefully tell us a little bit about what kind of changes we can make in the landscape that might improve having more of the native fish. Uh, so not to scoop her work, but, you know, that's kind of what she's looking at. And then the other student is researching uh, where our endangered California least tern forages, and that all, which is also looking for fish. So that kind of helps us understand a little bit more about what's going on in the water here uh, at the refuge. Uh, so it's it's great partnership in that they're able to work on their master's degrees, and I'm able to get some information that might help make good management decisions. Um, well, again, thank you for your time today. You. Uh, this was Refuge Radio with Rick Nye, Refuge Manager at Seal Beach National Wildlife Refuge. And uh, I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And yeah. we'll be back uh, with one more episode the week after that. And uh, thanks again, Rick. Thank you. Thanks for having me.